As we come to worship the Lord this morning, call to worship is meant to be an appetizer, as it were, to open our palates and prepare us to come into the presence of God, to worship Him in spirit and truth, which is why we are gathered here this morning. And I want to begin this morning and in the coming months with each call to worship, I'm going to focus upon the object of our worship, God Himself, by working through His perfections and taking a different perfection each Lord's Day and focusing upon it. Because the goal is that the Spirit of God would use this to cause us to hunger and thirst and to salivate after God Himself. And so the very first thing I'm going to tell you, the very first attribute of God I want to talk to you about and set before you is this. God is incomprehensible. That is, the first thing you must understand about God is that you cannot understand God. Because He's so big, He's so vast, He's so infinite that He defies comprehension. And certainly it is true because we're fallen creatures, because we are sinners, our sin has separated us from God. Our sin keeps us from comprehending God. That's certainly true. But do you realize, even if you were sinlessly perfect, you still could not understand God? Because you're a creature, and He's the Creator? Sometimes we're prone to think that the distance between God and us is like, well, we're like small little gnats compared to a human. We're thousands of t- God's thousands of times bigger than us, or maybe we think He's the best of all the people we've ever known all lumped together into one. Somehow the best of us, but you know, on steroids or something like that. But that's not the way things are at all. Or let's use another analogy. It's not that the distance between us as creatures and God as the Creator is that there's a 50-foot wide uh, river that separates us from Him, or even a 500-mile wide river separating us from Him. There's an infinite river. God is so altogether different. He's in a category of one, and nobody is exactly like Him at all. He's not exactly like anything you can compare on this earth. Uh, In Psalm chapter 50, verse 21, God says of Himself, You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you. I am not like a man, because I am God. I am the Creator, you're the creature, and I'm infinitely different than you are. A.D.B. Tozer makes brilliant use of the English language in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He talks about Ezekiel. He's talking about the incomprehensibility of God and how Ezekiel had this lofty vision of God high and lifted up. And this is what Tozer says. Listen to his language. Quote, The effort of inspired men to express the inevitable has placed a great strain upon both thought and language in the Holy Scriptures, these being often a revelation of a world above nature and the minds for which they were written being a part of nature. The writers are compelled to use a great many like words to make themselves understood. When the Spirit would acquaint us with something that lies beyond the field of our knowledge, He tells us that this thing is like something we already know, but He's always careful to phrase His description so as to save us from slavish literalism. For example, when the prophet Ezekiel saw heaven opened and beheld visions of God, he found himself looking at that which he had no language to describe. What he was seeing was wholly different from anything he had ever known before, so he fell back upon the language of resemblance. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. The nearer he approaches to the burning throne, the less sure his words become. 
And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about it, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And this is what Tozer says about that. Strange as this language is, it still does not create the impression of unreality. One gathers that the whole scene is very real, but entirely alien to anything men know on earth. So, in order to convey an idea of what he sees, the prophet must employ such words as likeness, appearance, as it were, and the likeness of the appearance. Even the throne becomes the appearance of a throne, and he that sits upon it, though like a man, is so unlike one that he can only be described as the likeness of the appearance of a man. So, here's the thing. You can't comprehend God. You can't wrap your mind around Him. I was sharing the gospel with a Jehovah's Witness many years ago. And I was trying to explain to him that God is triune. And he looked at me and he says, Don't you think that if something is so hard to understand, it can't be true? And I said, If my teeny little mind can wrap its mind around God and comprehend Him, He wouldn't be much of a God, would He? On the contrary, it tells me that this is something that I cannot imagine or come up with or create in my own mind. But here's the thing, whereas we cannot comprehend God, there are certain things we can know to be true about God because He's revealed them to us. He's revealed them to us in His creation, and He's revealed them to us in our consciences because we're made in God's image, and He's revealed them to us most especially in His book, the Bible. And that book reveals to us, the written word reveals to us the living word, Jesus Christ. And the entire message of all Scripture can be summarized in this. It's the revelation of the glory of the triune God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. That is what it shows us. So while you and I can't comprehend God, by faith you can apprehend God. You can know something of what He's like. And here's the exciting news. You're not limited to what you apprehended of God the moment you were converted. As you grow in grace you're apprehending more and more and more to know more about he is, who He is. And as you apprehend more of who He is, you know what else you, you realize? You realize how incredibly incomprehensible He is. The more you realize that your mind is blown by how vast He is. But this is of very importance, a great importance to you and me. Why do you love the Lord? Because He first loved you. The Word of God says that we should pray... Paul prayed for the Ephesians. He said, I pray that you may apprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Do you hear what he's saying? I'm praying you will comprehend something incomprehensible. And if you do, the more you apprehend of it, the more you'll be filled with the fullness of God. Here's the point. The more you apprehend of the depth of God's love for you in Christ, the more you're going to love Him as a, in response. Because the more I'm aware of how much He loves me, that makes me love Him all the more. We are coming to an incomprehensible God, but a God who by faith can be apprehended. Let me end with this, and then we'll pray, and we'll worship the Lord together. Lucy Pavinci, in the, in the book Prince Caspian, she sees Aslan, if you know anything about the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is the metaphorical representation of Christ. So she comes to Aslan and sees him for the first time after coming back into Narnia for the second time. And when she sees him, she throws her arms around him and, and then she looks at him and says, 
Aslan, are you bigger? Have you grown bigger? You look bigger to me. And I love what Aslan says to her. No, child, I have not grown bigger. But the longer you know me, the bigger I will appear to you. Even so it is with God. Our God, the closer we grow to him through Christ, the bigger he seems to us. Because there's in an incomprehensible ocean of knowledge to gain about who God is. So let's worship this incomprehensible God together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we, you blow our minds with revel- revealing yourself to us. But we thank you. You love us enough that you have revealed yourself to us in your word and in your son, in your creation. And we have gathered to do what is most natural for creatures to do, which is to worship you. So we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon every believing heart, that we will truly engage in your worship this morning by your Spirit and through your Son. And we pray, Lord, also for the Spirit of God to fall upon those who don't know you that are here this morning. We think especially of our unconverted children. Fall upon them and awaken them to their need for Christ. Show them the danger their souls are in, but show them that there is a refuge to be found in Jesus Christ alone. And grant them repentance and faith that they may flee to him and embrace him by faith alone and be saved. Do this for your glory and for your honor, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.